If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Hey there, guys. Wanted to tell you about something new. I've launched a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Brand. People have asked about getting more content, more insight, more information from me, and now that's available through various tiers. If you're able to join on patreon.com, you can get shout outs from me. You can get the Business of Sports podcast transcripts. You can get Ask Andrew questions, weekly newsletters, all kinds of ways to interact with me, including a monthly conversation about whatever you want to talk about, jobs in the sports industry, breaking into sports. It's all available now on patreon.com. Andrew Brandt. If you're able, please join, select your tier, and be able to have further content and interaction with me. Patreon.com slash Andrew Brandt. I hope you join. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I wanted to talk to a friend of mine, Jeff Schwartz, a player that played in the NFL many years, now in the media, and a Jewish player and Jewish person like myself to talk about the issues raised with the Deshaun Jackson Instagram post last week and all the divisiveness that's been going around and sort of seeing where that fits, what the reaction's been, how he looks at it as a Jewish player, how he looks at the whole reaction from the uh, media and NFL community about this, a reaction that's been sometimes good, sometimes really hard to deal with, and to me and to him, kind of upsetting and galling that it's been called out in ways that it has. So Jeff Schwartz is my guest today uh, about the reaction to Deshaun Jackson's Instagram posts. He's now been disciplined by the Eagles, a fine. We're not sure of how much, no suspension, of course, no termination. Without further ado, my guest this week for the Business of Sports podcast, Jeff Schwartz. Hey, bud. Hey, how you doing? It's uh, a week I didn't think I'd have, I kind of have in regards to um, NFL crossing over with uh, our religion. I just, I didn't think I'd ever have it, but here we are. And it's good. It's education. It's a good weekend. Excuse me, good week, I should say, uh, to learn about uh, religion and the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think since George Floyd, we've kind of been in this learning mode and we can, you know, talk about comparisons and contrasts, but you're right. Um, Before we get to the actual Deshaun Jackson post, I think we're talking about a lot of learning these days where we never really thought about this, right? And the one thing I thought during this offseason of Zoom in the NFL, I talked to a couple of players who didn't want their names out that said this these kind of Zoom meetings throughout the offseason, obviously it's not ideal for yeah. practice and playing and being together. But in light of the George Floyd thing, it really brought out some honest and open conversation that at least the couple guys I talked to said they wouldn't necessarily have felt that comfortable doing if they're sitting around a locker room or sitting in a meeting room. So there's to me kind of a silver lining to zoom. I wanted your thoughts on that. Well, especially right now, I think it would be interesting to be in the locker room with all the turmoil in our country. But I will say though, that it could have been a good time to have face-to-face conversations with your teammates, right? It could have been a good time uh, to talk to them personally about what they're experiencing right now in the world. And I think that, and we'll get to, to the Judaism part of this. I'll explain kind of how I did that with teammates when I was in the NFL. But, um, you know, it, it could have been a time, and, and there still will be that time to do in training camp. Um, but I do think, though, because 
There's no quote unquote distractions now, right? You can't just say, Hey, I'm it's mini camp this week. I can't really talk about anything that's happening in life. Um, yeah. you've had, you've been forced to have to confront, um, what's happening in our society. I do think that's why a lot of players spoke up about what six weeks ago now. Maybe it was longer than that, or even maybe it was a month ago. The time is, you know, 2020 has been so, <laughs> right. such, I felt like forever. Right. But you know, I do think that like you, you couldn't use the excuse anymore of, Hey, I'm studying my playbook or you know, I'm at, I'm at OTAs this week. I can't comment on anything. It's mini camp this week. You, you can't do that, right? You have to confront it. So I do think that from that point of view, um, it was or is a good time for players to use their their voices on social media. And I think, too, look, Andrew, we're, we're changing as a society, right? Um, players have now grown up using social media. They've grown up using their voice. Now, I think some of them – don't think everything through what they say. I don't think they understand sometimes the ramification of what they post on social media. And there's a learning curve to kind of growing your brand on social media. But nonetheless, players from college football all the way to the NFL now have just been used to being vocal about you know issues they're passionate about. And so we're seeing more players speak up. I think that's really one of the reasons why they're just used to doing it now. When you were playing, was there any time, obviously we didn't have the the maelstrom that's been going on the last four months, but was there anything where you as a player really had some hard, hard, hard conversations, I guess specifically about race, but anything along those lines that bubbled up some, some national event happened where you guys, you know, and, and you're probably offensive line are probably predominantly a white group of players and while other position groups are prominent, yeah. prominently black. So were there any issues that you remember dealing with and getting to the heart of these matters? Yeah. Well, I was very fortunate as a, as a rookie in Carolina. We had an offensive line room that uh, was was really mixed. Uh, if you look at you know our our um, I think if you, you know our, our left guard, our right tackle, our right guard, our backup right guard, like we we had you know, all different races. It was important to have that thing as a rookie because my you know, to your point, my college offensive line was I think all white. Uh, to yeah. me. So I, you know, so it's good to have that. And that was right when Barack Obama got elected. So I remember yeah. in 2008 conversation in the locker room about the election and about um, you know Barack Obama. Are you voting for him? You kind of see, you know seeing maybe. The, the tide change in our country move in a different direction. And then really, I would say not again till 2016. And I was in the locker room during the 2016 election. That's the next time I can remember, um, you know, really having deep conversations about uh, race and um, and kind of political ideologies in the locker room. And look, you, you didn't. I sought those conversations out. Like I like to have those conversations with with my friends on the team, whether they're of, of any race or any religion or any political. I mean, there was a guy um, we had every day at breakfast about Hillary and Donald Trump. Like every day, we talked about just we just that was what we did, right? And other players would, would come and hop in the conversation um, and and whatnot. Uh, so no, I mean, those were really the two instances. I will say the one thing that everyone talked about in the locker room is not political was game of thrones that was other game of thrones was like the number one thing that guys want to talk about but it was um there was not much um you know about about race other than maybe during the election years those two election years uh, specifically were you the only jewish player on every team you played for in the pro in the nfl um sage rosenfeld was on my team in 2012 um and he's half Jewish. So we had that connection. Uh, but that was, I believe, it. I played with coaches that are Jewish. Uh, Ryan Silverfield uh, was my assistant offensive line coach for the Vikings. He's now the head coach at Memphis. Uh, he is, he's Jewish. 
Um, I had a trainer of mine used to joke that um, I should be owning the team, not playing for it, because there's you know yeah. there's, there's, half the NFL is is Jewish ownership. It feels like so. Uh, well, you got I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna push on that right there because <laughs> I've gotten these comments too when I was a, a yeah. executive. On the other way, like of course you're executive, you're Jewish. I mean, like, did you ever have any pushback? Did you ever feel any? I guess racism is too strong a word, but did you feel? I do not like when people call anti-Semitism racism because um, I think racism w- would imply color of the skin, right? And there's Jews of every color. So, I mean, I don't know what bigotry, discrimination, I guess you would call it. Um, yeah. No, look, I I think that some sometimes jokes, um, there's some truth to them, right? And so I, I didn't mind that that stuff. There, now, we, we can get into things that did bother me. Um, but no, that, that didn't bother me. And, and look, um, you know, a locker room is not a place to be sensitive, right? There's going to be jokes thrown around. And I was fine. I, th- I thought it was funny. I, I maybe I'm, maybe yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. too loose with that stuff, but I've never had a problem with it. Um, you know, and of course you know, the stuff I did have a problem with was, you know, I would hear players say like, you know, they, you know, they use that line, like, like I got, I Jewed something, right? I got it cheaper than what yeah. I should get it for. Yeah. Like that, that stuff bothered me because they didn't know I was Jewish. At least the person who told me that knew I was Jewish. Right. So we kind of, I kind of could tell him like, Hey man, I don't like that. But you know, I've, I've had players say like, Oh, you know, I, I got that, I got that Jew deal or something or Jew did. And they didn't know I was Jewish. And I'd be like, you know, that, that kind of would bother me a little bit. Yeah, me too. I mean, listen, I lived in Green Bay and there weren't a lot of Jews forget on the team, but in the area. And I just remember times, you know, one time I said, I got to go back East this weekend for a bar mitzvah. They looked at me like going to Mars. Like, where's, <laughs> like, and then that, I guess I would characterize that all these words, you try to label it, but I would characterize it more as ignorance yes, rather than discrimination. And, you know, they would say when we went away for the holiday, like, Merry Christmas and, and oh, Andrew, uh, whatever you say, you know, it's like, whatever you guys say. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, 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 and we'll get to Deshaun in a second, but that, that was yeah. my thing with Deshaun. I think it's just ignorance, right, is that there's just not a lot of people that have been around Jews before. And, and or maybe they've been around, but never talked about Judaism and never talked about uh, the culture, uh, the, the, uh, the Jewish culture. But yeah, I mean, the, the questions about Christmas and Thanksgiving I've gotten, like, do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, you know, people ask me, do I miss Christmas? And look, I have two kids now. My wife is not, is not Jewish, but we raise our kids Jewish. We're part of a temple now and whatnot. We get a Christmas tree. So like, she likes having a tree. So, um, that's as loose. I celebrate Christmas. I have a Christmas tree. So, yeah. um, I did, no, I, I didn't miss celebrating cause I didn't never celebrate it before. And I never, I was never a part of my life. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's it's just a lack of knowledge about the religion, in my opinion. It's not it's not always malicious, right? Right. Well, let's get to malicious. Um, when Deshaun posted that, you know, it seemed to me what sort of muddled things, and maybe you saw this differently, was confusion. You know, was it Hitler? Was it Farrakhan? Was it one quoting the other? Was it some quote taken out of context? Is it even true? It's misquoted. It's not really a quote. And to me, all that was, to me, all that was like, okay, that's secondary. Right. This is highly offensive. Uh, And that was kind of the first problem I had with the reaction. And I think we'll get into more problems I both of us had in a minute. Yeah. It's just your initial reaction. I think what you said, it's like, it's like, yeah, does it matter that it's a fake quote or real quote? I mean, it's a quote of Hitler talking about Jewish people. And, and the thing, and like, I feel like people didn't read the text. 
the text said that Jews were extorting Americans, blackmailing Americans. Like it wasn't just like a black empowerment. It was the exact opposite. It was, you know, like Jews are the scum of the earth and they're evil and they're holding everyone down. So like, it, I don't even know. It, it just screamed ignorance to me. It screamed that, um, you know, Deshaun did not even understand what he was posting. And I feel like Hitler should have been the first thing about like, hey, man, I'm not going to post this. Yeah. Um, there was just so many things about it that I found, uh, um, you know, obviously ignorant, but in the, the, the defense of it from people, I, I was like, what are you def what are you defending? I mean, Deshaun then, you know, apologized about it. And look, I'll just say this. I'm glad that he's meeting with Holocaust survivors. I'm glad he's meeting with the rabbis. I think that's a great way to, to learn here. And that's what the goal should be of this. But some of the defense of, of Deshaun was just so wild to me. I mean, he posted anti-Semitic comments that weren't even real from Hitler, from Hitler, who exterminated the Jewish people. I had to explain this to someone. They're like, we're defending Deshaun. I go, guys, this is the man who exterminated Jewish people for six years, probably longer than that, and probably more than six million. And the idea that, like, you post a quote like that, and it's just like, oh, it was oopsie, my bad. Like, get out of here with that. Was there a defense that you saw that really galled you? Or, you, or well, yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, it's the truth stuff, um, you know, because that, that's just conspiracy theories. And, yeah. you know, I, I know that we were raised the same way. You know, Jewish people are raised with compassion, and empathy for others. I think it's a core tenet of Judaism. Yeah. And the fact is, for years, Jews have helped minorities and their empowerment. I mean, there's no you can't argue that there's history. We, you can go read about it. You can go search it out if you want to search it out. Um, and for thousands of years, Jews have been subject of, of persecution and, um, and you know, death and all the things that, that have happened to other minorities as well. And is it currently happening in America to us? No. Uh, but we're not really asking you to, to really to be upset about what happened 2,000 years ago. We're asking you just to say, it's, hey, this is anti-Semitic remarks, and at least be honest with what you're talking about. Because the conspiracy theories are just not accurate as much as you want to believe them. So I was more pissed off. Not with Deshaun, with Steven Jackson, and with all the players that were like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, Deshaun, don't apologize. I believe you. Like they had time to to yeah. educate themselves and still fail to understand what was wrong with what Deshaun posted. Um, Deshaun yeah. at least has apologized, and he looks like he's trying to learn about the Jewish culture. Yeah, it really galled me, too. And, and then we heard, started hearing, and I think this was from Stephen Jackson, one second post or something about, well, they did look what they didn't didn't do with Riley Cooper four years ago or whatever, the, the Eagles. Yeah. And to me, we can, you know, I'm a lawyer. We can compare precedent. We can say what they did or didn't do and how it affects this. But that does not excuse anything. Who cares? I mean, the, the Riley Cooper thing, yeah. completely separate matter. I know it matters for precedent of the Eagles management. Yeah. But that called me. I mean, that was like, well, but so, but, but what was, but what was his point though? I mean, I wasn't calling for, for Deshaun to be suspended. Yeah. I don't think, and I think, I mean, there were some that were in the media, obviously were calling for, you know, to, to suspension. I even said, look, Riley Cooper's it was seven years ago now, by the way, it's 2013 when this oh, happened. Wow. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah, he wasn't suspended. That that's the precedent that's set. And I, and I didn't want Deshaun to be suspended. I don't want him to be cut because if he gets suspended or cut, I think it makes his views about, about Jews, Harden, right? That I posted something and I got cut for it. I lost my job because of the Jews, essentially, right? And so I just thought that the way to do this with education, I just think that, and guys have had time to figure it out and still just don't seem to understand why 
this bothered people, not just Jews. And all we wanted, Andrew, all I wanted, I don't know, you, you can maybe speak for yourself. All I wanted was someone to say, and there have been, Zach Banner, thank you, yeah. Neil Edelman, my brother, obviously, saying, hey, this is anti-Semitic and it's wrong. We, yeah. we, I didn't want you to go out and fight for, for Israel. I didn't need you to donate to a synagogue. I just want you to say, hey, we don't tolerate anti-Semitic language from one of my teammates. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that uh, let's get into this. It's a tough subject. You know, this this kind of equivalency to the racial thing. I I just want to hear that it's all bad, right? Yeah. I don't want to hear uh, this is different. This doesn't. You don't understand. This is different. One is so much worse than the other. I mean, hate is bad. Intolerance is bad. Inequality is bad. Unjust treatment is bad. And that's why I wanted to bring you on and just sort of say, what, what are we what are we doing here when we have players and others saying, well, wait a minute, don't distract us. You know, don't let the Jewish thing distract us. And I'm like, what is that? But Andrew, it's a distraction because no one has denounced it. That's why it's a distraction. If someone would have come out, if Malcolm Jenkins would have come out, and, and I don't even know when this happened. Was it Sunday night, Monday night, whenever Deshaun put yeah. this? I woke up to it. Maybe it was Tuesday morning. Come out that day and said, we do not tolerate anti-Semitic language from one of my teammates. And obviously, he's, he's with the Saints now anyways. End of story. That's it. It's done. Like, it doesn't become a four, fourth day thing of people asking, hey, when are you going to talk about this? When are you going to talk about this? When are you going to talk about this? And again, I don't think Jewish people were asking for a lot. I think we're just asking if you denounce the the hateful statements. But what I find interesting, Andrew, and I think I kind of have a reason why it's been tough for NFL players to to really acknowledge this. And, yeah, and why? Stick, stick with me here. So, you know, in a locker room, there's a locker room of mixed race, right? There's white players, black players, and often you're often te- you know your teammates with with black players if you're a white player, and you're friends with them. You should be. I hope you are. And it's very easy to see how the George Floyd death and the subsequent protest, and it's easy to see how that makes them feel, right? It's easy to know that. You can call yeah. them, talk to them, and you understand, hey, I'm going to support my brother. I'm going to support my teammate. Um, I'm you know, I'm going to put out a statement. I'm going to be supportive of the movie. Even if you don't agree with it, let's say, you would still kind of would support them, right? Because they're your teammate. You should do it. That's all anyone asked Drew Brees to do, right? It was be like, I support my teammates to kneel, believe it, you know, say everything else you want. That's fine. Okay, so, but who are they going to call to get the Jewish perspective? There's no Jews on their team, right? Like, there's no one they can turn to. I, and I had teammates of mine text me and say, hey, man, like, you know, you know, basically, like, I'm sorry. Like, I know we've talked yeah. a lot about religion, and that's what it is. They know me. We've talked about religion. And so, therefore, they understand why that would be hurtful to me. And so, I don't think it's something where players, like, don't think that, that you know, we, we – I don't want to speak for all players, but I do like, I feel like they just, there's that thing where like they really don't know what to say or why yeah. to say it or why it affects Jews or what was hateful about it. Um, Cause as much as we talk about Hitler and in, in history and whatnot, I mean, it was, it was a while ago, but in, in relative history, it wasn't, but and like, until you go visit a Holocaust Memorial, until you talk to a Holocaust survivor, you really Not real. yeah. don't know anything. I had to speak. And I was very honored to do so at a Holocaust survivors event in Princeton, New Jersey, after the Holocaust survivors family spoke. It was the most humbling thing I've ever had to do. I mean, I don't even know, what do you even say, right? I mean, there were eight Holocaust survivors. I, 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 like, until you meet someone 
who survived the Holocaust. I had an elementary school. I mean, a Hebrew school teacher back in the day had a tattoo on her arm. Like until you actually see someone or been, it's hard to really understand what happened. And so I think there's an education part of this that has been missing. And that's why I hope Deshaun Jackson and others, I, I would love to coordinate a trip to, you know, to the Holocaust Memorial uh, yeah. Museum and, 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 and be, you know, and, and educate. Um, and I do think there's a lot of similarities um, between the Jewish culture and religion and other cultures as well. And I think that those similarities get lost in some of the rhetoric that flies around. I think it's a good point, you know, and I, and I also got the text because during when the George Floyd thing happened a couple of weeks after it, et cetera, you know, a lot of black people I knew were saying they were getting text from all their white friends. Like, are you okay? Yeah. What can I, and then the white yeah. people are like, I don't know what to say. And that kind of is a couple of the texts I got about the Sean, uh, but speaking as a media member, and I want to get your talk, thoughts too, because we have this life in football. Now we have this life in media. I was getting texts, well, you got to go harder, right? Uh, you got to yeah. jump on it in the media. You got to go harder against the Eagles. You got to go harder against people that are criticizing or not criticizing, but not equating what Desha what Deshaun said to other things. And I felt a little bit like, no, I've got to be authentic to whatever I feel, which I've tried to be. But did you sense that as well? Um, I, I did get that actually from people that thought I didn't go hard enough on Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. And I tried to explain to my dad, because I think my dad was, was a little bit one of them. And I think he understood my explanation. So in college, I had a teammate from the South, from Georgia, who you know, came to Oregon and we did a rookie show. I'm sure you, you know that what a rookie show is, but for those who don't know, you know, basically it was a freshman show, you know, like the end of training camp, the rookies and freshmen put on a show for the veterans. It's silly. It kind yeah. of breaks up the end of training camp. It's fun. Okay. And one of, and this freshman sang a song and included in the lyrics, like burning the ovens, like the Jews did. It was something like horrendous like that. Okay. And I was shocked. I was appalled. But I sat with him. I sat him down and said, dude, I thought I was, I was older. I was a junior or senior. I was like, dude, we don't do that. Like, this is why we don't do that. Like, don't, I'm telling you, don't ever say that again. And he never did. And we became friends. And so to me, I looked at Deshaun Jackson. I don't know his history. I don't follow him on social media. I, I, I've been aware he's posted other things in the past, but I took it just as instance and said, look, clearly someone is lost here. And clearly someone needs an education. And Clearly, someone doesn't understand what he posted because I just, for life of me, posting about Hitler is just beyond me. But um, it just felt like an, an education opportunity, not an opportunity to quote unquote cancel Deshaun Jackson. And so that's why I didn't go as hard as people thought. Now, I've been harder on Steven Jackson. I kind of went harder on Malcolm Jenkins because he's had the opportunity. And I get, I get most of what he's saying, to be fair. I understand what he's saying, but I also think the kind of ignoring the comments Deshaun Jackson made is. is Again, I just want to explain why people were upset with his kind of non-comment. And so I've been tougher on those players that have had time to realize why this is wrong and still yeah. continue to not really acknowledge what happened. And that's why I went maybe, quote, unquote, not as hard as other people thought I should. Yeah. Um, and maybe Jews are too forgiving. I, I, I mean, I feel like as – as a um, as a culture, as a religion, we don't defend ourselves terribly well, um, and we're small. Maybe that's why. And we've we've been at times persecuted, and I don't know if we like speaking up for ourselves at times. Um, but I, I just I I didn't feel that, that I, I canceling Deshaun Jackson wasn't I think the goal of what I wanted to get out there was he needs to learn. Edelman said the same thing. I, I loved Edelman's. I loved yeah. what he said, yeah. which was like, dude, yeah, right thing to say. And let's educate I, each other. 
being in Philly, I know Jeff Lurie, I know Harry Roseman, and I know they're kind of, it's what you said about us kind of being forgiving people. They, they want to use this as a real opportunity. And if you saw the fine that he's getting, there was language in there about whatever it meant, whatever it said, but it's kind of, we're going to continue to monitor. Uh, we're going to see if he follows it up with action. We're going to see what he does. Kind of a, a sort of a we'll be watching enforcement yeah. mechanism that they're using. And so I get it. You know, um, the last part of it, I do want to, if you have any thoughts, I know this is kind of out of your realm as well as mine, but we've talked a lot about Hitler. What about Farrakhan? Because evidently there's some anti Semitic tone throughout a lot of his teachings. And I've got, I've got reporters asking me, do you know that Farrakhan's kind of mainstream among NFL locker rooms? And I'm like, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. I don't know that to be the case. But um, have you heard more than yeah. just the of Farrakhan having some... some well, there, it's, it's not some. It's not some. He despises Jews. There's no, there's no, um, there's no debate on that. So what I, what I think is interesting about our society now, it's not interesting, it is our society, we are a society, especially my age, I'm, I'm 34, where we consume one-minute clips of things, right? And maybe yeah. even shorter than that, just small text. And so I think it's very easy to, to hear someone speak and take a one-minute snippet of that where it's not about Jews. It's about something that you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, near and dear to you. And you right. hear Louis Farrakhan say that, and you hear five, six, seven, eight clips of those, and you ignore the other parts of it, right? Look, there's, there's no question He's anti-Semitic. Like you, things he has said, and I think people believe again, you know, that Jews are the problem and that we are the problem. We're holding people down, and again, that's not true. And you know, there's a movement, you know, for the, um, you know, I think part of the movement is, you know, that the first Israelites were uh, were black. I mean, I okay, like I, I don't, I don't. The funny part of that is that, like. Jews, I think, would agree that they weren't white to begin. I mean, like, I don't. So that thing is like, I don't really understand why we're putting get put down for that because I, I don't know about you. I was never taught what race Jews were when yeah. in the Old Testament. Like that's not yeah. something we talk about. So you know, there, there's no color of God. Um, you know, Jesus is in popular culture white with blonde hair, blue eyes. That's that's not us. We, we don't Fabio. like yeah. like look, we're not. That's not us. So I just think it's it's I'm kind of learning about you know what Louis Farrakhan preaches and it's like well, that's if you just learn about Judaism, it's not at all what we talk about. Like we don't talk about what race the first Israelites were. It's like not part of our discussion. Um, so I think most would agree that that we weren't uh, we weren't white. So I, it's interesting. It's interesting, Andrew. I don't know. Um, I don't know other than education. Like I said, I hope Deshaun yeah. learns because he's the one guy that's doing it right now and can somehow, um, you know, maybe teach other players who um, have said some of these anti-Semitic things or agreed with uh, things that just are. And even if they're true, even if the first Israelites are black, like that, honestly, I don't, I don't think it changes anything about Judaism whatsoever. Yeah. No, and I think people are surprised from an from an outside point of view that. You, I mean, when you played, the average number of Jews in the league was what four, five, six. I mean, like, was like, I mean, like we're talking about like full, like mother Jewish, like, <laughs> like three, right? I mean, there were there were there were half Jews, but like full, like mothers Jewish and whatnot, and got bar mitzvah. Yeah. Uh, not not many of us, and I think it was like three now. My brother Ali Marpet, maybe, and I don't I don't, I don't know. know. 
Oh, Edelman. Yeah. Three, yeah. like three. Yeah. And Edelman even admittedly is like, I really, you know, I didn't practice the, the culture until yeah. a while yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's not many of us. And so the loose fair con, look, I'm learning more about it. Um, as we go through this week, I've heard his name thrown around. I've, I've tried kind of, kind of to ignore it. I've, I've heard his name before. Um, but there's no dismissing that he's anti-Semitic. Yeah. We'll get back to this really insightful interview with Jeff Schwartz in a minute. First, a word from DraftKings. They have brought their expertise to legal sports betting in a way that is secure and safe and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. And to put you at the center of the action, DraftKings Sportsbook is celebrating the return of baseball with a special promotion. You can place a bet at least $25 on who will be crowned champion, and they'll give you a $25 free bet to use on opening day. We've got golf, we've got Premier League, we've got La Liga, soccer, and more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code ROSS, all caps R-O-S-S, when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS, all caps R-O-S-S, when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I'd be remiss before I let you go talk about uh, college and pro football. Yeah. You know, we're, we're here on July 11th. We've got Ivy League canceled, Big Ten saying conference only, Pac-12 conference only. NFL, who knows? I mean, I've been talking a lot about that. We've got a two-part negotiation, one on the health and safety with the union, and then the, the harder one with the money is coming, and then against this backdrop of the virus raging throughout the country. Uh, optimism, pessimism, realism, where do you see this going on college and pro football? I feel good about pro football because it does feel like the players and owners do want to play, and they're just trying to get to the starting point in a different manner. Um, you know, the players obviously are worried about health and safety um, and, you know, ownership wants to play two preseason games. I think part of that is they want to just have a game day, you know, a regular game day to test all their protocols in each stadium right. before they play the game. Maybe the idea is like we just have a walkthrough. Both teams show up. I don't even know how they would do it, but just to kind of get the game day protocols down. The, test. Um, the one thing I worry about the NFLPA's proposal, it's the only thing that I worry about is that, I actually think it's not enough practice. I, I know that they've said that they want a ramp-up period because 2011 there were injuries. And I'm for the ramp-up period, but I think they should have started that like this week or next week, like kind of came in a week or two early to kind of get that going because eight pad of practices is not enough to get ready to play for the season. I'm sorry. I, I know that I know that people think it is maybe, and NFL players will disagree with me, but as we've seen practice time decrease over the years, injuries have gone up, and the length of the average career has not gone up. So you would think that if you practice less, injuries would go down and the career would go up. It doesn't, Andrew. It doesn't. And so I feel like eight pad of practice is not enough to get ready to play for the season. You're going to have a lot, a lot of injuries because guys are not used to contact, not used to hitting, not used to tackling, not used to just doing um, football movements in their pads. And I think I fear that's only my only concern with the PA's proposal is that I feel like everything else. I like that they're you know they want to make sure protocols are are, are pat testing's good. You know that they're they're safe. Their coaches are safe. I'm all for that. So the NFL happens because again they both want to play. The money is so great to be is so great. And and if they lose the money, I, I mean it's 
So I think they're going to play college football, Andrew. Oh boy. Um, I, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, the issue with that college football, in my opinion, is the lack of basically ownership from the NCAA and making this happen. Um, right now, every conference in accordance with their states and with their universities are coming up with their own protocols and old guidelines. Yeah. And there's nothing from the top. And yeah. so you have the Pac-12 conference, I know for a fact, worried about them having kind of like strict mask wearing in the communities out west, right? Oregon, Washington, California, having strict testing within the football building. Um, and they've had relatively low amount of tests positive so far across the universities out west that are already back practicing because they're doing stringent testing. They're doing everything in a certain way. And then in the south, bars are open, restaurants are open, kids going out. like, And then they play each other. And let's just use USC Alabama week one as an example. That, that got canceled, obviously. So USC's doing all the all the the you know, the social distancing, the wearing the mask, testing every day. And here comes Alabama, Tuscaloosa bars are open. They're testing yeah. every you know, every other day, and they play each other. And now you get USC sick, and now USC plays another Pac-12 school who's yeah. been doing a good job, and it just spreads. And that's why I think there's a concern about um, about. The conference is just not having the same protocols for how this works. I know people think it's stupid. I get it. You, you know, you, but I, I, I think we're finding out that the coronavirus, COVID-19, it's new. It's relatively new, guys. More data keeps coming out. That it, just doesn't, it doesn't just kill people, right? It affects people yeah. in all over their body. And I know young people are not dying at a high rate, but – we're seeing, you know, Freddie Freeman, an elite baseball player, is still struggling with the effects of COVID. Yeah. Like, like we're going to – and so I want football back more than anybody. It's yeah. our job. Like, I don't have a job. I literally work for Pac-12 Radio. I don't have a job if we don't play football. I want football back. Yeah. But I understand that there's a fear among these commissioners and these athletic directors of keeping their players as safe as possible. So I think the conference-only schedule is actually the safest way to do it. Yeah. Um, you can control kind of the variables around your your teams, and I get it. Even in the same state, it feels weird that like UCLA would trust San Diego State to play each other, even though they're you know they're two they're, you know, they're two hundred miles away. But it just you contain everything, man. You know everyone in your conference. You know where you're staying. You know how to travel. You know maybe a bus places instead of flying sometimes. Yeah. And so I get why a conference only schedule makes a ton of sense, and I do think. There's a chance that that happens. You, you know, you delay the season to October 1st about, and you know, hopefully the next month things die down a little bit. Go back to work August 1st, you know, August 15th, and, and get a season in. Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful too. I, I think on the NFL side, the problem is we have talked in March and April and May. I think I talked to you a couple of times on the radio. The NFL had the luxury of time. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, we'll sit back. We got NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, see what they do, see what they do on testing, how they quarantine. We got plenty of time, no problem. And, of course, the world will be better in August than it is now. Well, here's the deal. It's worse. <laughs> and here's the problem for I, I see for the NFL, and I know they got to get through this negotiation, but you've got NBA, NHL, baseball, and, and soccer going. Yeah, I'm not confident they finish at least one of them. And then they say this, Jeff, say August 5th, Major League Baseball said, we can't do this anymore. Screw it. We're shutting down too many infections. Yeah. And then is the NFL really going to start in that environment when baseball yeah. or basketball or hockey or whatever is shutting down because of the virus? 
that's going to be tough. Yeah. So then I would look at a pushback. But is the pushback going to work? All the times. I think what happened was, you know, we were getting to about Memorial Weekend. We we're getting at a good point, right? We're kind of like, okay, we're, we're flattening a little bit. We're getting to where we're supposed to be. Then, boom, just took off again, and especially in a lot of states where it wasn't a problem, right? Florida, Texas, Arizona, yeah. wasn't a problem. I'm in a state, North Carolina, that's kind of been steady, but on the high end. Um, and California now, who's had restrictions more than any other state, going back up again, right? People go back out and enjoy life. And so I think that. NFL didn't plan on that. The NFL planned for things to continue going in a direction that they were going, and now there's no looking back. I don't think we're going back to a, a flat curve anytime soon. I mean, even just not even flattening the curve, just like a steady curve where you right. feel better about playing. So the question becomes, Andrew, is like how much are you willing to risk playing and how much is it is it worth to your league, to your players, to your owners to just play through it. I mean, NFL is the one league I do kind of just trust to just say, screw it, we're playing through it. Um, I mean, that's been their attitude, yeah. But, but and, and they've, they've been able to do that because all their stuff has been virtual so far. Right. Um, you know, if they don't play this year, the ramification on the salary cap is just going to, it's never oh, going to recover. I mean, I you know. know. They, we they, shut down, you'd be shutting down a $15 billion business. They I mean. can they can borrow from the future, which they might do anyways if they, if they only play like nine games, right? Maybe you borrow from the future to make the cap in 2021 and 2022 work. But, um, you know, you're not playing the NFL like starting in December. Right? I mean, you're, just, you're either playing in September, in my opinion, and maybe, you you know, you cut off the first two weeks. The schedule kind of works out where you cut the first two weeks off and then you, you start, you know, play 14-game schedule. But the money involved and the economics involved with um, – Football and college and the NFL is is so big that this is why they're trying to do it. And um, you know, MLS is back, golf's back, yeah. NASCAR's back, NBA's in the bubble. I mean, they're going forward. Baseball seems to be playing. So I'm hoping that. Um, look, I I get the mass thing is political. I don't really understand why. But if you want sports, everybody, and you're listening to this podcast, yeah. wear your mask. Stay away from people. Don't go to bars. Don't go to inside restaurants. I get out. I, I want to go out too. I love to go yeah. out. But guys, like we have to do, we have to do to get sports back. And if we're going to be selfish about it, we're not going to have football. And that's going to be your fault. Well, and the most compelling thing you said there was the Freddie Freeman thing. These, we think young, healthy, strong, they'll be fine. And most yeah. of them will. Most yeah. of them will. But I read the, speaking of Freddie Freeman, I read Von Miller. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like for months, two, yeah. Months after he quote unquote recovered, yeah. still having issues, still not capacity that he had before. And I'm like, Von Miller? Von frickin' Miller? Really? Yeah. So uh, I think the NFL is going through these discussions about how many negative outcomes can we live with? Yep. You know, is it one? Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 20? I mean, that's a really tough question because I'm a lawyer that maybe, who knows, if the, if the next Von Miller yeah. never has breathing the same as he did before playing this year, who who's he going to take that on? I mean... <laughs> You know what I'm worried about, Andrew? I'm worried about the coaches. Yeah. I'm not worried about my brother, okay? I'm worried about Andy Reid. Like, let, be honest, right? I mean, if Andy yeah. Reid got COVID, it would be worse on him than it would my brother. And I'm worried about the staffs of these, uh, of these, um, you know, of, of these franchises. They look coaches. They they're in they're up in that office for 20 hours a day. They're drinking a bunch of coffee. They're not eating very well. Yeah. Uh, yes, they get in shape during the season. Like I mean, the off season. Like they, you know, they're working out now. They're getting, but the season is a grind. Their bodies are not healthy during the season. Um, the support staff is older typically as well, and they're the at risk numbers. Like they're they're the they're the the people 
that we've seen COVID wreak the most havoc. And I'm worried about coaches getting infected more so than I am really players getting infected uh, because they're the ones who are in the, the risk group. So I think no one's really talked about that is that um, the coaching staffs of these teams, uh, you know, Pete Carroll's what, 67 years old. I know he's in good shape, but I don't think that, that has mattered for, for people over 60. Bill Belichick's yeah, over Luke 60. Arians has had issues. I mean, yeah, there are lots of these guys. And, and I'm reading about the NBA having to make their uh, roster. They can only bring 35 total down to, yeah. down to Florida. And, and these older coaches or staff, they're just they just are not allowed. You know, they're just yeah. not not part of the traveling party. I think a baseball a baseball franchise said like their coaches just can't come. There, I think there, I think the Twins maybe were like yeah, yeah. I think it was Gardner and three other staff members like you're not coming to play baseball this year. Like you're not doing it. Um, we we just can't. It's not worth the risk. To make it happen. So, you know, the question I have, Andrew, is that like, when will it be safe to play again? Yeah. Is it a vaccine? Is it herd immunity? Um, that's that's just the unknown bothers me. I know it bothers everybody, right? There's just like feels like no no end in sight. And you know, selfishly, I want football to be back. I love watching. I want to have a job. I want to watch my brother. I want to watch the Oregon Ducks play. But um, I do wrestle with the safety, especially on the college side of, of these kids not getting paid to go back and play during a pandemic. Yeah. And you make a great point about NCAA put out a statement, basically <laughs> conferences, you deal with it, right? Yeah. And, and they use the word, which really caught my eye athletes because every other PR by NCAA is student dash athletes. And somehow they used athletes in that, in that release, which really, really caught my attention. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, they, they, the student athlete thing is going to be over in a, in a year when. Yeah, the whole name image. Yeah, it's all changing. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for joining me on a Saturday afternoon. Really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, glad, glad to be here. Have a good vacation, man. Yeah, always good to talk to you, uh, Twitter and live and radio yes. and and here on uh, the Business of Sports podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, take care. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports podcast. An insightful and open and honest conversation. With Jeff Schwartz, a player who played in the league, is one of a handful of Jewish players and now is in media and had some really insightful things to say about what's been going on the last week. Appreciate all of you who follow me on Twitter. Apple Podcasts rankings and comments are always appreciated. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, my musical producer, Sam Brandt. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go. Everyday giftable. Everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.